I'm pulling on my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. Okay, so today we begin a series of podcasts all about unstable and the cards of unstable. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through every single card unstable uh, minus the contraptions, and I'm going to talk about each one and tell stories. And anyway, it's going to be a chock full series. I hope you guys enjoy it. And I'm going to go in alphabetical order. So what is the first card in alphabetical? What is the first card in alphabetical order? Uh, is rumors of my death because it starts with a, a, a quotation mark. Um, so this, so rumors of my death, uh, is an uncommon. It costs two and a black. It's an enchantment. Uh, for three and a black, you exile a permanent you control with a League of Dashley Doom watermark. Return a permanent card with a League of Dashley Doom watermark from your graveyard to the battlefield. So this is part of our uncommon watermark matters uh, cycle. Um, we decided to have a, a theme in the set of watermarks matters, and I wanted for limited uh, to make five uncommons, one for each of the clans, um, or the, the what do we call them? They call them the clans. The the I, we used to call them gangs in design, uh, but each faction, I guess they're factions. Each faction um, has an uncommon centered in its color. Um, and the idea is each faction obviously is in two colors. So we picked one of the colors uh, for the League of Dashley uh, Doom. We picked black. Um, and then we went around accordingly. Um, and the idea was it was supposed to be a build-around uh, watermark matter cards that cares about the, the faction watermark. So the idea here is this allows you to trade one Dashley Doom character for another. So the idea is, haha. You thought you killed this one, but secretly he's not really dead, and he rips off his mask. I'm actually this villain, and um, so playing around in the space. And um, I don't know. This is one of those cards that we had a general flavor idea when we made the card that you keep thinking they're dead, but they're not dead, and you, you know there's there's some trickiness going on because um, one of the things about villains is uh, super villains are hard to kill. They keep coming back. You think they're dead, but they're not. Um, and so I know. Uh, uh, Kelly gave us a fun name with Rumors of My Death. So that, that is Rumors of My Death. Okay, next we have Adorable Kitten. So Adorable Kitten is a host creature. Uh, it's a white 1-1 one, one creature. Uh, and then when the creature enters the battlefield, roll a six-sided die, you gain life equal to the result. So originally what happened was I had a cycle of enter the battlefield dice rolling cards. And as a separate issue, I had the host creatures that all had an enter the battlefield effect. Uh, and at one point, it just hit me. I'm like, oh, why don't I just combine these? Um, you know, I, 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 there's only so many Enter the Battlefield effects that make sense. And I like the idea of having some Enter the Battlefields that were dice rolling. So we, we married them together. Um, I actually think this was a kitten in playtest, in, in design. Um, I, it might not have been called Adorable Kitten, but it was something kitten. Uh, I think the idea of having a kitten came from that we had had one in playtest. One of the things that happened um, when we were making all the host and suture cards is we tried to figure out kind of the funniest things. What's a good front half? What's a good back half? Um, and so the idea of kitten, we had a kitten pretty early on, and it just was clear that, that kittens are kind of funny. And, and we liked the idea. Um, the idea that this is the dice rolling card was kittens are so cute that when you see a kitten, you go, oh, kittens are so cute, and you gain some life because kittens are so cute. Okay, Aerial Toastmaster. So this is an uncommon. Uh, it's an artifact creature cyborg, Rigor. 3-2 uh, for 3 white. 
So three and a white. Uh, it's a three-two flying creature. For three white, sacrifice an, an, another artifact. Aerial Toastmaster assembles a contraption, um, and then it tells you to you know assemble a contraption. Um, so basically, one of the things we were trying to do was we knew we wanted contraptions to be in all five colors. It was one of the big KSPs, the key selling points of the set. Um, but we wanted different factions to sort of do different things. So one of the things I liked about the Cyborg faction um, was that they would be more about, they would build it up. Um, it's not, they wouldn't be the one that assembles the most things. They wouldn't be stealing things. But what they would be doing is they're good at fine-tuning because the cyborgs are all about fine-tuning things. So the idea here is you can sacrifice an artifact. Now, note that all contraptions are artifacts, so you can always sacrifice a contraption to upgrade to a different contraption. Or, if you have other artifacts lying around, and there's a bunch of ways to get artifacts in this set, um, you can sacrifice one of those artifacts to get a contraption, if you like all your contraptions and don't want to give any up. Um, and then we made it fly just because we were um, trying to make sure White had enough flyers. I think this, this didn't always fly. Um, the uh, note that anything that makes contraptions is a rigor, uh, any creature that makes contraptions is a rigor, because we had um, Steam Flugger Boss, which uh, helps all riggers. So we're like, okay, well, if you're, if you're going to put a contraption together, we'll make you a rigor so that Steam Flugger Boss will affect you. Um, so every creature that assembles a contraption, not the spells, but every creature is a rigor. Um, and then uh, one of the fun things about making the, the cyborgs is the whole flavor of the, of the faction is that they just keep upgrading themselves with the silliest of things. Um, and so this was kind of fun. Um, I think when we, they came in to do world building, somebody had made a, um, a rocket backpack that was also a toaster. I think that's where that, this idea came from. Um, but it, I thought it was, it was fun. Okay, next, Amateur Auteur. Uh, so it's a common, for one and a white, you get a 2-2 two, two creature, uh, and you sacrifice it to destroy target enchantment. So what happened was, this is one of our, this is the, the kid who's acting out in the play, and there's four of them. I believe he is in Ravnica, in Theros, in Innistrad, and in Zendikar. Um, so what happened here was, uh, his original name was a 2-2 by any name, uh, making a little Shakespearean reference. The whole idea of this was, originally, it was just a 1-W-2-2, and the joke was, every world has a 1-W-2-2. That was the original joke, because um, we were trying to figure out a way to make vanilla creatures have, have some silver borderness to them, and so we came up with the idea of alternate versions of the card. Um, then, when we were making the set, it turned out that we needed enchantment removal, and we really were tight and couldn't find a place to put enchantment removal. So we ended up putting it on this creature, um, deciding that it was a pretty simple creature, and that while um, originally it was cool that they all were uh, vanilla, we had changed a few of them, so they weren't all vanilla anymore. So uh, Amateur Artur became, um, became uh, the place we did to get our enchantment removal. Um, the reason that it didn't keep its name of uh, a 2-2 by any other name is when you you have to say sacrifice amateur, amateur auteur, and when you said sacrifice a 2-2 by any other name, it read like you sacrifice a 2-2 creature, not this creature, which name is a 2-2 by any other name. So it was confusing in the template, so that's why the name changed. I like the name, but it was confusing when you wrote it out. Okay, next, Angelic Rocket. So Angelic Rocket is a rare card. 
it costs uh, eight mana. It's an artifact creature, an artifact host creature, angel. It's a four-four. It is flying. In fact, I think it's the only host creature that has an ability, I believe. Um, and then when this creature enters the battlefield, you may destroy target permanent. So we decided we wanted to do something kind of splashy in artifacts. And the one nice thing about artifacts is artifacts can destroy something. So we had to make sure it cost enough mana because we don't let... I think artifacts have to be at least seven mana to be able to destroy something. Um, just to make it not easy to throw in a deck in which that color has trouble destroying something. Um, and I think we ended up making an angel because we were trying to come up with what would be a cool mechanical thing to make um, and a mechanical angel sounded pretty cool and the, the front half of the angel had the wings so it looked neat um, but anyway that's how angelic rocket came to be next animate library this is a rare for four blue blue so six mana total two which is blue is an enchantment enchant your library originally by the way it was enchant library and uh we realized that the goal of this wasn't really messing up your opponent by enchanting their library and then, you know, destroying or something. Uh, Enchanted library is an artifact creature on the battlefield with power and toughness, each equal to the number of cards in it. It's still a library. If Enchanted library would leave the battlefield, exile uh, animate library instead. So this was the the very last card stuck in the file. We were having a play test. This is a card I've tried to get in actual magic and been told no. Um, and so it was kind of in the back of my brain and then I just forgot about it and we were having a play test and I forget why it came up, but in the middle of the play test of a unstable play test, I remembered the existence of this card. I'm like, oh, we have to put this in, we have to put this in. And then I'm like, okay, it's, it clearly has to be a blue card and I'm looking through the blue rare trying to figure out what to kick out. Um, and I went to Dave and I go, okay, Dave, 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 we need to put this in. Here's the card I would kick out. Here's the card I would put in. And Dave goes, okay, sounds good. And he stuck it in. Um, Note that we didn't, we, you have to animate your own library so you can't sort of destroy other people's libraries. And we put the rider that if this ever leaves play, the creature would leave play, instead just get rid of the enchantment. So it, it, we didn't have to answer the questions of what happens when your library goes to your hand or your library goes to your library. I don't know, weird questions. Um, and just to sort of, the goal of this wasn't to make it easy for your opponent to just destroy your library. So the idea is, essentially, it's animated. If it would be destroyed, instead, it just stops being a creature. Um, and uh, we decided... That one of the reasons they wouldn't do this in Black Border is there's a lot of counting that goes on because you have to constantly count your library to know how big it is. Um, like, it, it makes total sense since the flavor of the card and, like, the bigger of a library, the more powerful it is. But it was just kind of a pain. Silver Border, we're allowed to do things and people kind of say, okay, I'm signing up for to do a little bit more crazy stuff than normal. So, okay, I'll count my library. That's actually not even uh, on the crazy end of the spectrum of the set. That's on the tamer side. Um, but anyway, that's why Animate Library is here. Okay, next, Applied Aeronautics. Oh, no, the Applied Aeronautics is a, um, is a contraption. We're not doing contraptions just because there's not a lot to say about individual contraptions. Um, Arms Depot is also a contraption. As luck would have it, so as luck would have it, it is a rare enchantment, costs one green, it has hexproof. Whenever you roll a die, put a number of luck counters on luck, as luck would have it, uh, equal to the result. Then if there are a hundred or more luck counters on it, as luck would have it, uh, you win the game. So we always like having a win condition in unsets. Um, I like tying the win condition to dice rolling because that was one of the themes. Um, and it seemed like fun of, okay, if you can just roll enough dice, you can win the game. Um, and so we decided that we had 
base it on your die rolls just because it's something that you don't have complete control over. But, I mean, you can re-roll dice and stuff with other cards. Um, so we ended up sticking in green. Um, I think because green, I think green has the most dice rolling in it. Red and green have a lot of dice rolling in it. Um, I think we stuck it in green just because the idea of Lucky Charms and stuff felt green to us. Um, we gave it hexproof because we didn't want people destroying it when you had like 99 counters on it. Um, but anyway, I just thought it was fun to have, uh, well, I thought it was fun to have an alternate win condition, and I like the idea of something where there's a variable, like, most win conditions you know when you're getting close, and this one you know when you're getting closer, but I like the idea that there, there still is this randomness built in, but in a deck that wants to do this, just roll a lot of dice and eventually you'll get there. Um, and the picture, by the way, if you've never noticed, is every lucky charm we can think of put together in the picture. So the picture's just every lucky charm you can imagine. So it's kind of a fun picture if you look at it. Okay, next, Baron Von Count. So it's a, a this is a mythic rare legendary creature, human villain, 3-3, for one black and a red. Three mana total, one black, one red. Uh, Baron Von Count enters the battlefield with a doom counter on five. Whenever you cast a spell with the indicated numeral in its mana box, mana cost, text box, power or toughness, move the doom counter one numeral to the left. When the Doom Counter moves to, from one, destroy target player and that Doom counter, put that Doom Counter on five. Okay, so um, I, way back when, uh, Aaron Forsyth and I made a card called Door to Nothingness in which uh, you had to pay Wooberg Wooberg and originally you destroyed target creature or player. That was the original text. And I had a big fight with um, Mark Gottlieb. He's like, we have a template for how you make players lose. It's target player loses the game. You can't destroy a player. The rules don't allow that. And I'm like, but it's cool, and we can make the rules work. And anyway, he and I got a big fight. In the end, I lost that fight. So I saved this, and I knew when we were doing Unstable that I wanted to do destroy target player. I didn't know where or how. Um, and then um, once we knew we were doing a supervillain faction, that seemed like the perfect place to do it. Um, the other thing that we were trying to do was I loved the idea of a countdown um, I messed around on Stable on cards in which there's art, the art has things to help you keep track of stuff. Like uh, Toggledite tells you whether it goes on or off, and the Fallen Apart tells you when legs and, uh, uh, legs and feet had fallen off. Bingo tells you when you've made the bingo. Um, balloon Gun Game tells you when you've, you know, you've blown up your balloon. Um, I wanted to do a little of that in this set, and I liked the idea of a countdown. And then once we thought of a supervillain, oh, countdowns made sense for supervillains, Destroying target player, making a big machine that would destroy something. That all sort of came together. Um, so for a long time, by the way, Baron Von Count's name was um, Major Monologue. Um, I think we referenced that in Flavor Text somewhere else. Oh, no, no. I referenced it in my short story. Um, but he, his, his original name, Baron Von Count's original name, was Major Monologue. Um, and that is before this card existed. Um, he actually, when they came to do world building, somebody drew him, and they really, really liked him. We decided he'd be a character. Um, but once we went on this card, and there was a counting aspect to it, um, they changed his name to Baron Von Count, which is a fun name. Um, and this card also, by the way, um, plays around with the idea of looking for numerals, but meaning actual written, not words that are numbers, but actual, you know... Um, numerals are the actual, like, numbers in numeric form. Um, and it's kind of fun to just care about, like, I love making cards in unsets that make you care about things you just never care about. Who cares whether there's a numeral one on a card or a numeral two on a card? Um, so I, I just thought that was kind of fun. So anyway, 
Um, this was sort of a lot of different pieces coming together. Um, oh, the other thing you'll notice that there are four legendary creatures in the villains faction, and the reason is I try to set up each uh, faction so they worked differently. And so we decided that the uh, supervillains was run by a cabal of supervillains because that just seemed like a supervillain thing to do. And so there's four supervillains, one of which is Baron Von Kahn. Okay, next, Beast in Show. So this is a common four green-green for a 6-4 trample creature. So this is another example of the alt art cards. Uh, so we had, how many, five common, five common alt art cards? Is that right? Yeah, we had five... Oh, no, 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 sorry. We had five cards at common. Oh, we had more than five. There, the, well, this one got confusing. Originally, there was five alt art cards, and we ended up changing blue, so instead of being alternate art, it was alternate flavor text, because originally the idea was that was the only card that had different flavor text, but then we ended up putting different flavor text in other cards. So there's kind of a cycle of alt art, except the blue one doesn't have it, so it's other four colors. This is the green one. So the one we play around in this is the idea of taking famous magic creatures and putting them in like a dog show, essentially a beast show. Um, so best in show is an expression, so beast in show without funny. Um, and the idea is we just went and went and found what we thought were four very magic-specific uh, creatures. Oh, we were playing... The other thing we were playing around with is the idea that we have a beast creature type that has this wide range of what it is. So the reason we liked the different art was, yeah, it's a beast, but wow, a beast could be so many different things. We're kind of making fun of how often we use beasts and use it for just different things. We then came up with the idea of doing the dog show with the beasts, and then we, um, I know Kelly went and picked out what he thought were four pretty cool, classic, magic-specific beasts, um, and then had fun sort of the, uh, giving it to artists to doll up. Um, so uh, Mike Burns was the artist, and he had a lot of fun. I think we just told him, here's the source material, here's the creatures that we're pulling from, and then he was the one that said, oh, I'll put this one in a bow, and, I, and he had a lot of fun um, turning them into sort of a, like, a, like a, a dog show sort of participants. That was pretty fun. Okay, next, better than one. It's a rare sorcery for a green and a white. Uh, it costs two. A person outside the game becomes your teammate, uh, and then choose any number of cards in your hand, uh, sorry, cards in your hand on top of your library or on the battlefield under your control. Those cards become the teammate's hand, library, and permanents, respectively. Um, note, by the way, we don't specifically call out um, contraptions, but we have ruled that when we say library, we also mean the contraption deck. So you do get a divvy up contraptions. Um, so this card was actually made by Alexis Jansen during the very first Great Designer Search. Um, one of the challenges in the first grade designer search was to make gold silver border cards. It was called silver and gold was the challenge. And so they had to make gold cards that were uncards. Uh, and she made this card, and I thought it was an awesome card. So much so that when we made this set, uh, I went back and I looked at that whole challenge. And this was the card that I think I pulled out of that and put it in. Um, it's a lot of fun. Um, if you never saw in the pre-release, um, uh, there's a match where I got pulled in. Um, and I was a part of a two-headed giant, and then we played a um, we played a, a Shahrazad sub game in which we I, I got sucked into. Um, and so it was anyway. If you never watched the unstable pre-pre-release, there's a lot of a lot of fun times. That was one of the the coolest. Um, okay, next big boa constrictor. So it's a common host creature. It's a snake. Uh, three and a black for a one-two. 
When this creature enters the battlefield, roll a six-sided die, target opponent loses life equal to the result. So this is kind of the opposite of Adorable Kitten. So instead of Adorable Kitten, it's Big Boa Constrictor. So uh, like I said, there's a cycle of host creatures that you roll a die as an enter the battlefield effect. Um, white lets you gain life. This makes the opponent lose life. Obviously, that's slightly better. So white, you gaining life is W for a 1-1. One, one. Your opponent losing life is 3 and a black for 1-2. So clearly, once again, your opponent losing something is far stronger than you gaining something. Um, but this is a pretty strong card, and um, one of the reasons this card is a... The reason we had to make it a 1-2 is it's a really good heart card to, um, to augment. Because already, it's, you know, every time you, the trigger condition happens, your opponent's losing 1-6 to six life. Uh, and if you can pick a trigger condition that happens a lot, you know, this card alone can just win you the game. Um, so that, that is why it's a 1-2 for 4 mana, because it's just really, really strong to augment onto. Next, Blurry Beetle is a common uh, artifact creature, Cyborg Beetle, Beeble, for one, a 1-1 one, one for blue. Uh, it's got Blurry. This creature can be blocked only if defending player was wearing glasses as it was cast. And then whenever Blurry Beeble deals combat damage to a player, uh, you draw a card. Um, okay, so this originally had Beard Walk, which was if your opponent had a beard, they can't block it. Um, and then uh, we had a playtest with Elaine, Elaine Chase, the... Uh, um, or maybe Elaine even... I'm not, I'm not sure she played or she just looked at the file. Uh, maybe she played. Anyway, she made a comment that she thought it was a bad idea to do beard walk um, because none of the women, for example, could have beards. And I said, oh, but no, no, it's not a problem. It's a bad thing to have a beard. Um, you know, beard walk if you don't want to have a beard. So obviously women can't be affected. And Elaine said, no, 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 you're missing the point. It's just you're doing something that they can't be involved in. So, like, here's a thing that you can't have. Um... And she made a really strong point. I had not thought of that. Um, I mean, I thought of it to make sure there wasn't a negative, but I, it was just not inclusive. And, and that's something that's really important for us. So um, we came up with the idea that instead of a beard, it's glasses. Um, and then the idea, we, we decided to go the reverse, that instead of being penalized for having glasses, you got penalized for not having glasses, which would be fun because it encouraged people when they played this format to wear glasses if they could. Um, and we've ruled that like, you can wear sunglasses and stuff. I think, by the way, the ruling here, which I messed up a little on the pre-pre-release, is you have to be wearing glasses at the time it's being cast. You can't say, oh, wait a minute, I'm putting my glasses on. I, I, I did that at the pre-pre-release. Many people called me out on it. Um, I, the reason I did it at the pre-pre-release, by the way, was I was going for shock value. I wanted Mar- Maria to not know that I had the glasses so that when she did, I go, ha-ha, I have glasses, um, which I maybe was the right call just because the reaction I got to her was great. But... Um, Technically, it's not how it works. You have to have the glasses on. So if you're going to bring your glasses, wear your glasses. It's like you're playing a blue player and you think they might have this card. you got to start with your glasses on. So that, that was a, an error by me. Okay, next, Border Guardian. So Border Guardian is unstable. I'm sorry, he's unstable. They're all unstable. It's an uncommon artifact creature. It's a knight, a 1-1 knight for four. It costs four. It's an artifact creature. Uh, whenever you cast a silver bordered spell, put a plus one, plus one counter on Border Guardian. Um, whenever you cast a uh, whenever you cast a black bordered spell, it can't be blocked this turn. And whenever you cast a white bordered spell, it gains double strike until end of turn. Now, this was designed with the following in mind: it it knows that you're going to be playing the in, well in limited. Look, everybody's playing silver border unstable is drafted by itself. 
So basically, this is, it gets a plus one, plus one counter whenever you play a card. That's fine. A fine card. Playable and limited. Um, now, the black border cards are obviously, all other magic cards mostly are black border. Um, that keeps you from being blocked. Um, it is possible in Unstable to pull cards in from outside the game with, like, Spike. So it is possible to get a black border card. It's even possible to get a white border card. Um, it used to be whenever we, we reprinted something in a core set beyond, you know, Alpha and Beta, um, we would put it in white border um, to show that it was a reprint, that their first printing would be in black border and later printings were in white border. Um, I think with 8th edition, we stopped doing that. We just changed everything to black border. Just looks, it looks, the card just looks so much better in black border. They kind of got washed out in white border. Um, but anyway, the idea for this is, if you want to build around this, you want to go get some white border cards and some black border cards. Um, because this abil- these abilities all together can get synergistically really strong. Like, oh, I can build it up with silver border cards, I can make it unblockable with black border cards, and then I can get double strike with white border cards. So if you sort of mix and match. Um, and uh, the border guardian, I think I think it was called border guard in playtest, and then I think there's a card called border guard, and so they had to change it to border guardian, um, so I think border guard I mean, border guard was a really cool name for it, but I just, we had just we had used border guard I believe is what happened um, but anyway, that is border guard okay, next, box of free range goblins, uh, so it's a sorcery, uh, it's a common sorcery, four red red, roll a six sided die create a number of 1-1 one, one red goblin creature tokens equal to the result. Um, so one of the things that we were trying to do uh, was give flavor to the dice rolling. So we decided that uh, the goblins, um, the, the goblin faction, were all about um, dice. Because they, they love randomness. They also like contraptions. Um, they liked randomness. So the goblins were the ones that rolled the most dice and uh, assembled the most contraptions. They have the least amount of control. Um, like, other colors can re-roll dice or I- influence the outcome of dice. Red does none of that. Um, so the way it works is red rolls the most dice and green has the most cares about dice being rolled cards. So red was the, the color that we were just... Red both assembled, I think, the most contraptions and rolled the most dice because um, they were just... Uh, red just liked doing stuff and... It was kind of random. A lot of red stuff is... You don't know the outcome of what your contraption is. You don't know what dice you're going to roll. So it's kind of played in the chaos of red. But red likes to do it. Um, and this card is actually pretty cool. So one of the things whenever we try to cost cards, the way you do it is you assume that each die roll is three and a half because that's the average of a, a die roll on a six-sided die because you get between one and six. Um, and the idea is you assume you get three and a half. And so... Um, this was, uh, what would three and a half um, goblin tokens be worth? Um, and I think we, because it's silver border, I think we, we rounded down most of the time, um, just because we, because it's silver border and it's not going to cause problems in, in tournaments, we, we usually juice it just a little tiny bit. Not too much, but just, just, just a little juicing. Um, and uh, anyway, uh, this card, this card was in the file pretty early. But dice rolling was one of the themes. Of the themes that ended up in the finished product, I think dice rolling was the first theme that was in the set. Um, we had done dice rolling and unglued. Uh, we got a lot of data back and two of the most unpopular cards. Well, there were a few unpopular cards that were die rolling cards. So I made the call on, on sta- uh, sorry, and unhinged not to have die rolling. Um, but when I went back and I looked at the data, I decided that it wasn't that people disliked dice rolling as a whole. There were certain executions of dice rolling they didn't like. 
Um, and what they didn't like with dice rolling is, who knows what's going to happen with the card because you couldn't plan around it. But you know what the card is going to do and the, there's variance in how strong it is. Those cards they seem to like. So I brought die rolling back and uh, anyway, it returns. Okay, next, Bumbling Pangolin. So this is a common beast, 2-2 uh, two, two creature. It's three and a red. So when this creature enters the battlefield, you may destroy target artifact. Um, so Pangolin is one of those things when we had these meetings to figure out what's cool things. Uh, I think Kelly was the one, Kelly Diggs was the one that really wanted a Pangolin. So for all you Pangolin fans, enough with the mail about all the Pangolins. I don't, I don't get a lot of mail about Pangolins. But anyway, for the Pangolin fans, we made you Pangolin. Um, the reason this destroyed an artifact was because of contraptions. The, the set had an artifact theme to it. Um, all the contraptions were artifact. And because it was mad scientist kind of world, there was just a, more artifacts than normal. So because we had more artifacts, we just wanted to up the amount of artifact destruction to deal with it. So we decided that we'd make a, a host that destroyed artifacts so that you can destroy multiple artifacts if you needed to. Um, we didn't do that with enchantments because there weren't that many enchantments to destroy. So there's, there's singular enchantment removal, but there's not repeatable enchantment removal, where there is repeatable artifact removal. Um, because between contraptions and the other artifacts, usually your opponent has something you can destroy. Okay, next. Buzzing Wackadoodle. As Buzzing Wackadoodle enters the battlefield, you and an opponent each secretly choose Whack or Doodle. Then these choices are revealed. If the choices match, Buzzing Wackadoodle has that ability. Otherwise, it has Buzz. So Whack is tap, target player loses two life. Doodle is tap, you gain three life. Buzz is two and tap, draw a card. So one of the things we were coming up with is we liked having little mini games to play in Silver Border. And so the idea of this game was um, there's three options. And the way you figure it out is my, my, my opponent and I are each going to make a choice. And then if we match we get the weakest of the possibilities uh, if we... Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I said that if we match, we get whatever it is we match. And if we don't match, then we get the strongest of the possibilities. And the way we worked it was, there's three abilities. One is clearly the weakest, one is clearly the medium, and one is clearly the strongest. And the strongest is the one you get by not matching. So the idea that's interesting here, the sort of game we're playing is... Each one has a functionality, and it's conditional. When I say one's the weakest, you know, tap, lose two life in a vacuum is the weakest. But maybe if your opponent's low on life, that's something you would want. So one of the cool things about this card is you have to gauge the state, look at your opponent, figure out what you think they want, and then each person is trying to sort of anticipate what the other person's going to do. Um, and then we made the strongest one the one they don't match because the person playing the card most of the time wants to not match where the person who is um, the opponent usually wants the match. They want you not to be drawing the cards. Um, and so there's a, there's a fun little game here. Um, I've, I've seen some really... Um, you can get pretty second, second and third level. Like, I know he'll think I'll know that because he thinks I know that, then I'll do this. Oh, but he knows that I would do that, so I'll do this. And then people kind of, you know, one-up each other, so it's kind of fun. Um, and I remember naming this card. Um, we came up with the idea that... Um, we would name each of the three things, um, and then Kelly found a way to turn it all into a singular name. Um, I think this thing... Um, I, don't remember, I don't remember the, the original name of this thing. It had a silly name, but I'm, not, I'm blinking on it. Okay, we'll move on. By no means... Uh, it's a rare enchantment. It's two and a white, uh, and it's 
one white, remove a counter from a permit you control, create a 1-1 one, one colorless gnome artifact creature token, or one, sacrifice an artifact, choose any kind of counter printed on a card that a printed card refers to, and then put that counter on that card. We also ruled that you can put um, uh, loyalty counters on Planeswalkers, even though they don't specifically say loyalty, they imply a loyalty, so we let you do loyalty counters. Um, so a couple things about this card. So this card was made relatively late. Um, I like cards, I like counters, and I like, um, I like, there's a card we made called Giant Fan in Unglued that I made that lets you move counters from one card to another. Uh, and there's a card called Tetravis that lets you change between um, plus one, plus one counters and little flying token creatures so the creature can get bigger or can pop off and become little creatures. I think I was inspired by those two cards to make this card. Um, and the idea was that I can turn any artifact into any counter or I can turn any counter into uh, a gnome token. And so the idea is I can kind of go back and forth. And this, this is a super Johnny card because there's a lot of like weird shenanigans and things you can do with it. Um, once it was decided that it would make a gnome token, I really, really wanted um, by no means as a name of a card. Um, I think we named this in design and I asked Kelly not to change it. Um, and then the flavor text is there's no race like gnome. And that's another, I wanted that flavor text on a card. And originally it didn't get put on a card. And then I kept bugging Kelly about it and saying, come on, come on. And he finally gave in. He said, okay. Um, I just think it's a great pun. Um, I think I actually wrote it for a different card. And that card ended up not having space for flavor text, I believe is what happened. So I, I kept looking for a place. And this, this had gnomes on it. So um, anyway, I, I like that flavor text. Next, capital offense. Target, oh, it's a common instant, two black, black. Target creature gets minus X, minus X until the end of turn, where X is the number of times a capital letter appears in its rules text. Ignore reminder text and flavor text. Um, note that there's no capital letters on this card on purpose. Um, this card was actually designed to be Capital Punishment, um, which is a perfect name. Uh, and then Conspiracy 2 made a card called Capital Punishment. And I was like, no! So we ended up looking around. We found Capital Fence, which is another term. Not quite as good as Capital Punishment, but, but not bad. Um, but this card was designed to be Capital Punishment. Um... And I like the idea of making cards, once again, that care about qualities that other cards don't care about. And so the idea of caring about capital letters just seemed really cool. Um, and I like the idea, the reason I did minus X minus X is, I like the idea that there's just, some cards escape this trap and some don't. And it kind of depends on how big the creature is and just how many sentences there are on it. Uh, and like vanilla creatures have no problem. They have no words that you can use, but you know. Um, and if you have a keyword ability where it's one capital, because the first one's capitalized, but the later ones aren't. Um, so anyway, I thought that was that was kind of fun. Um, Chipper Chopper. So it's an un, it's a common artifact creature, Cyborg Rigger, telling you it's making contraptions. One, one, so three and a blue, so it's four mana, one which is blue, it's flying. Uh, when Chipper Chopper enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice another artifact. If you do, put two plus one, plus one counters on Chipper Chopper, and it assembles a contraption. Uh, that's why it's a Rigger. Uh, so the idea here is white does this thing that says, okay, when I enter the battlefield, you can upgrade me if you sacrifice an artifact and then you get to make a contraption. So A, if you already have a contraption, you can just change a contraption for a different contraption. Um, and also this creature goes from being a 1-1 to a 3-3. So you really want to sacrifice an artifact. Um, and the idea is it's not even that you're sacrificing an artifact as much as you're trading an artifact for a contraption. So you're not even going down in artifacts. 
Um, so this allows you, if you have like a little gnome or something token you want, you can sacrifice, or you can always sacrifice uh, a contraption to make another contraption. Um, but this, once again, plays into the cyborg theme of it sort of um, fine-tunes its contraptions. That it's not that it makes the biggest contraptions, but it makes the most efficient contraptions because it's very careful and it can it can definitely mess and move around things and sort of get the... the it, it has the most efficient one because it, it's sort of going through your deck trying to get the best versions of what you want. Chittering Doom. It's an uncommon enchantment, three in the green. Whenever you roll a four or higher on a die, create a one-one green squirrel token. So as I said, red was all about rolling lots of dice and green was caring about dice being rolled. So one of the ways, green cares about dice being rolled in a bunch of different ways. For example, as luck would have it, just wants, you know, the higher the number, the better, but any number gets you closer to... Like, rolling is good, higher rolling is better. Um, on this card, it wants specifically higher rolls. One of the things we did in general, by the way, is we made it so higher rolls are better, that whenever something cares, it, there's not cards in like which one is better than six, just because we wanted you to always, like, want the same thing as far as what you're hoping for. So the general strategy in dice rolling is higher is better. So we're trying to encourage you to want to roll higher dice. Uh, this is an example where if you roll four or higher, so if you roll basically above on, on the on the higher three numbers you get a squirrel um and so this one is once again the idea was we wanted every color to have its own strategy using the different themes so in the dice theme if you have green in your deck you want to roll a lot of dies now that means red green pair well together because red wants to roll a lot of dies but if you put green with blue, then you get to re-roll your dice. If you put green with black, then your dice rolls are a little bit higher. So, you know, you can manipulate things and put stuff with it. White didn't really have a dice-rolling theme. Black re-rolls dice. Black makes the die rolls higher. Red rolls a lot of dice. Green cares about dice being rolled. So you can mix and match those to have different dice-carrying dice things. So the final card today before I, I, I stop for today is Chivalrous Chevrolet. Or Chevalier. Sorry, Chivalrous Chevalier. Um, it's a common artifact creature, Cyborg Knight. It's a 3-3-4-W. Um, when Chivalrous Chevalier enters the battlefield, return a creature you control to its owner's hand unless you complement an opponent. Um, so the idea here is we wanted to make a white card that lets you bounce your own stuff because there's a lot of synergy. So in a normal magic set, this would just say, uh, you know, when this enters the battlefield, uh, you may return a creature card to, your, uh, card to your hand. But this is unset. We want to add a little extra flavor in. Um, we added in this, this component of complementing the opponent. Um, we had done that once before, a card called Misdemeanor. We had a complicated opponent every upkeep, um, and that's kind of a fun card. And the thing that's kind of fun about this is you can choose whether you want it or not. So it also lets you insult your opponent if you don't want to get the thing back. So um, not that I'm advocating insulting your opponent. I just knew that people could have fun of saying something, go, ha-ha, it's not a compliment. So, um, But anyway, so I, I got up to see. Um, there are 174 non-contraption cards in this set. So I'm chugging along, so we'll have a bunch of podcasts. But anyway, hope you guys are enjoying it. It's fun talking about Unstable. But anyway, I'm now parked, so we all know what that means. It's the end of my drive to work. Instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. I'll see you guys next time.